The following presentation is brought to you by KMmedia.pro. Please visit KMmedia.pro for more information. Now stay right where you are as we present. Welcome to Positive Talk Radio, evolving ideas, one conversation at a time. Great guests, dynamic stories and interviews, plus new thoughts on a wide range of topics and concepts. I hope that you'll hang with me, Kevin McDonald, my friends, and of course, you, as together we work to understand why we are all here and what we can do to make our world a better place for all of us to be happy, be kind, and live in peace together. Yep, that's Positive Talk Radio. another episode of Positive Talk Radio. My name is Kevin McDonald. I'm your host. And we get to talk to a very cool man that is sitting over there. And uh, he's up in the cabin someplace in the in the deep, dark woods. <laughs> and, yes, I'm up in uh, I'm up in Big Bear, California, up in the mountains. Oh, that's that's good. That's cool. There aren't any fires up there right now. Oh, no, no. Oh. Uh, but we're definitely in uh, in the height of fire season now. Uh, it's pretty. It's pretty bad. By the way, his name is Justin DePego, and he is an author, and he, he's written a, the book "The Wrong Side of a Working Man." Is that the complete title? That is. Uh, very, very nice. Can you hold up a copy? I don't have that with me. Yes. The, here's the. Uh, here's the the paperback. Uh, there you oh, go. Very, it's out in paperback and out it's paperback, on... and the uh, the hardcover is. Oh. Uh, is wait okay there we go the hardcover coming soon ah yeah nice nicely done nicely done thank you and so that can you give us a little synopsis of what the book is about yes okay so uh, our our hero is Alex Sides and he's an electrician in Los Angeles uh, sort of you know plying his trade across the city. And he's a husband and father, and he's um, he's good at both of those things. Actually, at all of those things, he's a good electrician, he's a good husband, and good father. But he develops this crippling chronic pain in his neck and shoulder. And along with the pain comes these terrible anger issues and a really short temper. Uh, which causes him to lose his job uh, in a fit of rage. He breaks a mirror at home at the bridge too far for his wife. She takes the kids and leaves. His life is falling apart, and he doesn't know why. He doesn't know why this is happening to him. And in his sort of search to discover why this is happening, he meets this Mexican mystic in East L.A., and informs him that there's a curse on him and that's why this is all happening and the root of his curse is that he's out of balance with the universe and in order to lift the curse he has to find these 10 places across the city that are also out of balance and correct whatever is wrong in those places uh, and in order to do that he can correct his own personal balance and then lift the curse and so the story is the saga of him going across the city, performing these tasks and trying to lift the curse as he learns more and more about why he was cursed and the implications of that and uh, and how it all 
he fits into this mythical narrative that he had no idea existed within Los Angeles. How did you come up with that whole thing? Because that's that's quite involved. That's quite a little bit. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was it it it, uh, it unfolded in my head. It unfolded in stages. Uh, I was indeed. Uh, I was not. I'm uh, not an electrician, but I was a handyman, and uh, I used to install skylights. And so, I was working my way around the city, visiting all of these very different homes and businesses, and getting a peek into all of these different lives. And um, and while I was performing these tasks, it became clear that not only was I getting a peek into all these lives, but I was also sort of doing it in an invisible kind of way. Because when you're <laughs> a handyman or whatever, a plumber, electrician, and you go into someone's home, you very quickly become invisible to them. And, and uh, so you'll overhear conversation, phone calls, or, or family dynamics and, and stuff like that, because it's like, I, I, I don't want to make it sound like this is happening in a rude way, but you very do very often kind of become an unperson because you're under the sink or you're up in the rafters or, you know, you're dealing with your thing and their day needs to continue. And so I got this peek into all of these worlds and I was trying to find a way to tell the story of all these worlds. Uh, but I didn't want to go straight ahead with like a, a memoir or anything like that. I wanted to find a more interesting framing device for that. And I hit on the 12 labors of Hercules. Uh, and if I could take the 12 labors of Hercules and interpolate them into modern day Los Angeles. And goodness knows there's a lot of things in Los Angeles that need fixing. <laughs> exactly. Yes. And so that's kind of what it's about because Alex in his real life or in his normal life is doing, you know, he's going around fixing things. Uh, and then when this sort of mystical curse uh, comes upon him, he basically still has to do the same thing. He's, but instead of being an electrician, he's sort of this mythic, um, mythic hero, if you will. Uh, and but again, he's just like an electrician has to show up, figure out what's wrong, and fix it. Now he's got to do the same thing. That actually would be an, a really interesting uh, uh, pilot for a uh, TV show. Um, let me get some like Netflix on the horn, and uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, well, I I agree. Yes, because it would be you know you've got your hero, yeah, and then uh, and then he goes in every. Every week he would have another adventure of of something that he had to go fix that that he needed to fix in order to get himself fixed. He needed to get this done right. and stuff like that. That would be an interesting. I'd watch it. I'd watch Me too. it. Yes. Uh, yeah. Um, I hope uh, hope you're all listening out there in uh, <laughs> Netflix land or Amazon. I'm not. I'd, I'd be fine with that or HBO. Yes. Enough. Now, who do, who do you want to play the uh, leading man for? Uh, uh, for the show. Well, you know, it's funny uh, that you asked me that because I do have a name right at the top of my head to say, and that's uh, John Bernthal, uh, right. who you may remember from the Netflix Punisher series. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, and 
I was having this conversation. I like, I like, I don't, I don't know him, but I've seen him in interviews and I, and I think he's a, he's a really good actor, but he's physically great for the part. But also I've seen him in interviews and I think he's like headspace great for the part. Uh, but somebody was like, Oh, did you write it for him? And I was like, no, I wrote it for me, but I'm too old to play it now. I mean, this, I, 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 I started, I started this journey a long time ago. So uh, yeah, I aged myself out. <laughs> <laughs> How long ago did you start the book? I started the book with the concept that we discussed um, probably 10 or 15 years ago. Um, and then it sat on a back burner for a long time because at that point it was very much a very surfacey kind of uh action adventure um and and while the book was sort of sitting half forgotten on my desk and i was writing other things and you know doing other things in my life i developed a pinched nerve in my neck and debilitating chronic pain and in exactly this the place that Alex did but Alex Alex ended up with that pain before I did so it was not that part of the book was not autobiographical at all when I wrote it but then the book caught up with me and I wonder if because I didn't have like a, a single injury I had this cumulative damage and I wonder if there was like somewhere in me that knew that this was coming um and Be careful what you asked for yeah could, could we so so here okay so years later for whatever reason i'm going through the stuff that's on my desk and i read i think it's in chapter one uh might be in chapter two but there's a description of alex's pain and as i'm reading it i'm like oh man i wrote this years ago and it's exactly how i feel right now and then i was like okay now i need to get now the book is about something right because before like i said it was kind of a romp i mean it was it wasn't a comedy but it wasn't really about anything other than sort of a modern day superhero and now i was like oh actually the issues in this book are much more far-reaching than i originally conceived and now i'm a more mature writer and i so I tackled the book in a new way. So it happened but, in this by, by that time I was too old to play the part. <laughs> <laughs> well, how's your shoulder now, by the way, or neck? Um, it's good. I mean, it's a thing that I'll live with forever. Um, but uh, when I finished, uh, I, I, I had to do, I, I mean, uh, I was, I couldn't, I was, I was essentially paralyzed in my upper what right quadrant. And, uh, and, I had uh, a series of epidurals, uh, which brought the pain level down far enough that I could start physical therapy. At the end of all of that, physical therapy and acupuncture and epidurals and stuff like that, they were like, okay, you're done. We, we, we've done everything for you um, short of surgery. And I didn't, I didn't want surgery on my neck. And uh, nope. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, well, what does that mean that I'm done? I mean, I wasn't in debilitating pain anymore. But like, for instance, when I started physical therapy, I could not do curls with a two pound dumbbell. I was completely depleted. Um, and they were like, oh, just go back to your life as normal. Um, you know, 
And I was like, really? And they were like, yeah, just, just follow a few guidelines. Never lift anything over 25 pounds. Never lift anything, no matter how much it weighs over your head. Uh, never do any um, high impact sports or activities. Um, you should probably not ride your horse anymore. Don't ever climb a ladder. And they kept going on and on with all these things. And I was like, what is it about my normal life that you're telling me I can go back to? That, I mean, I like you people have known me for a year. You know who I am and what I do. I mean, I'm, I'm a horseman and I do construction and I uh, box. And I mean, it's like, I not anymore. And, and it's like, what, what do you mean? I, my normal life. So anyway, I basically had to reinvent how to uh, do all those things. And so uh, I'm now at a place where I can do all the things that I used to do, but I have to think about them in a different way so that I don't hurt myself. Um, and, and, but then you never know, like I could just be, I could just be like lifting this cup and then all of a sudden I'm like, Oh, Oh, okay. That's gonna, that's okay. I'm going to be feeling that for the next couple of days, you know? Yeah. Well, you're still not, but you're not boxing. Are you? I'm, I'm training. I don't, I can't spar anymore. And, yes. and that, that's the one thing that I couldn't do. I couldn't go back to, I tried, I got, I, I mean, I'm in, I'm in pretty good shape and, um, and, but I cannot take a, I can't even drill, uh, like, like blocking. They're not, I'm not even getting hit in the head, but I'm just the impact of, of, of putting my, my mid up and, and getting that was enough to make me go, you know what? I can't, I can't do this anymore. And that I really do miss because I love that kind of competition. I love that kind of, uh, I don't know that that kind of physical chess. There, there is there is that, and when when next time you're on, I'll have to tell you my boxing story, uh, which which ended pretty tragically, actually. Oh, uh, with me in the hospital and all that stuff. But oh, in any, yeah, well, you know, I used to think that boxing was a sport, and some people who do box, it's not a sport; it's a life and death situation and so they treat it that way yeah well yeah i i like most of like i've never been in a real bout right i'm not i like even on an amateur level but in the gym where i worked out some of the people there were real fighters and oof, wow the difference even training with them versus training with someone who's like just a you know like me you know i'm like a i'm a talented amateur but training with someone who's like a real fighter. Oh my, that's so different. So even if you're not sparring, <laughs> I, I got to say, this is the story I have to tell you. Okay. Um, I, I saw the movie Rocky and I said, I want to be that guy. Yeah. So I decided that I would go to, there's a gym in Seattle. There used to be, it was on seventh and union in downtown Seattle. And that's where uh, all that's where Boone. I don't know if you've heard of Boone Kirkman or, or, Oh yeah. Uh, and uh, Ibar Arrington and some some local fighters that, that were of note that that made it all the way till they f met George Foreman and that that was the end of that. Right. Um, but but uh, so I went there and uh, 
the guy the guy his name is uh um joe toro and he he was a professional manager and he had a buddy his name was joey velez who was a light lightweight of some note way back in the day and he was like 55 60 at the time ah and he said why don't you get into the uh get into the ring with joey and see how you do and i said i looked at joey and he was smaller than me i was 190 and he was probably 145 150 and i said but he's he's kind of old to be boxing isn't he <laughs> and the guy said well you'll be the judge of that after the bout after after the sparring session so i get in there and i think that i'm going to be all that and all this kind of stuff he even at his age could could block and he knew he was a technician yeah. and um I, I wasn't in very good shape so my mouth was open he clipped me in the jaw and and i could hardly talk for like three days. have you ever done that where you, you get clipped in the jaw and you can't talk for like three days yeah well not for three days but yeah i mean and and it's amazing well yeah i mean like the, the last time that i had my nose broken was about oh, that where that, just that like, yeah i was i was i was sparring with this guy and uh and wow i mean he was just so and, and he was he was a professional fighter and uh he was just so much better than me that there was nothing i could do I, i'll never forget he was wearing yellow gloves and and he would be like this and then all of a sudden like with no like as if no time passed at all my whole field of vision was yellow and and I, I was just like where did that how did that even happen where, where did it and then as it was as it was happening it would go from yellow to red and yellow i mean it was just like it was just like getting worse and worse and i was just like what and then finally i switched and i was like oh you know what the one trick i have left up my sleeve because i can do this is switch my lead so i switched and I and I and I started leading with my right so that I was I, you know, I could throw power with my left. This was actually the worst injury that I this is this is my boxing injury that is still with me. And it has nothing to do with my neck or the broken nose or whatever. Whatever. You can break your nose a million times and you're fine. But so I switched my lead and I set him up with a with a combo. It was beautiful. I mean, it was like on paper a beautiful combo. <laughs> I've seen. I've had that paper. Yeah, and 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 there was there was a feint involved, and he totally fell for it. And I threw my left, which was my power shot, because I'd switched my lead. And it, this was going to be this was going to be like he's better than me, but I'm going to end the fight because because I have power. And when my arm extended, he vanished. Like he was gone. He was gone. Like, I don't even know. I still don't know where he went. And, and I hyperextended my elbow. I threw that punch so hard. I hyperextended my elbow. He didn't even touch me. And, and, and that is the injury that I still have. I love that. He was there a minute ago. Where where the hell did yeah, he go? I still don't know where he is. He could be. He could. He's right behind me right now. He could. He could be making you uh, go to Los Angeles and do ten um, yeah. um, wonderful things to fix stuff. Right. Um, so yeah, he could be the root of my uh, of my curse. That that is Justin. That is a that's a very funny story, um, and uh, that's 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 great. That's, it's obvious that you are. 
someone who can tell stories. And so you have with this book, which is called The Wrong Side of a Working Man. And, uh, and it's a, it's a, um, it's a, it's a fantasy for kind of adults and it's, but it's, but it really has a message, doesn't it? It does. You know, I mean, Alex's journey is, um, is one of, uh, I don't want to put too fine a point on this because like I said, it's entertaining and that's what it's all about. It's fun to read. Uh, but his journey is about self-discovery and as a man, even before this, uh, this pain became, uh, came upon him, uh, he's a big sort of physically imposing blue collar guy. Uh, but he's lived his life in such a way that he's avoided or, uh, he's, he's, He's lived his life in in terms of following sort of the path of positive masculinity. He's almost everywhere he goes, he's the strongest guy in the room. And there's two ways that you could approach that if you are that guy. You could either be looking around the room and going, oh, I could take anybody in this room. There isn't anybody in this room that I couldn't knock down. Or you could look around that same room and you could you could say, there isn't anybody in this room that I couldn't lift up uh, because that's, you know, both of those things are a measure of your strength, your physical strength and your emotional, mental, spiritual strength. And so Alex has been this guy that has lived most of his life, uh, you know, since being, say, a teenager, being this physically strong imposing guy but knowing the uh i don't know the role that he chooses to to embody with that but then once this pain starts changing everything for him it would be very easy for him to retreat into the much easier path of toxic masculinity of uh if of batting aside anybody that you perceive as being in your way or weaker than you or or whatever. And so there's a battle for him to, you know, I mean, he's he's lost his family because of his temper. And who do you blame for that? Um, and if you can't acknowledge that that blame lies within yourself, then you can never fix it. So uh, that's, so that's, that's, that's part of his path. That's, and you know, and honestly, that really is for a lot of us, that is part of all of our paths is to understand that everything comes from within and nobody can harm you except for yourself. Nobody can make you mad except for yourself. And you can do, and you can live your life in a positive way. And, or you can choose to live your life less than it's kind of like the, the, the force, the, the, uh, um, May the force be with you. Right. You have the 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 light, and then you've got the dark side. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, you know, it, it's Yoda even talks about specifically how uh, what is it? Oh man, I'm going to totally out myself as a nerd here, but uh, I believe I, I believe it's in uh, it's in Empire Strikes Back where Luke is training with Yoda. And Luke asks him, like, straight out, is the dark side more powerful? And Yoda's answer is basically, I'm not that much of a nerd. I can't quote it. 
but I can paraphrase that um, he's, he's, it's not more powerful, but it's easier. Yes. And, uh, and that's, that's just a fundamental truth in real life too. It's, yeah, it's easier to do. It is easier to have road rage and to flip somebody off than it is to not. Yeah. Given the same set of circumstances. Yeah. And and, and not you know drive off the road or whatever. But <laughs> right. You know we are, but and we are all a work in progress, and yeah. we're not we're not done. And, and unfortunately, many of us expire before we're done because uh, we've got more to learn. But uh, that's, you know, that's, that's part of life. Yeah. Yeah. And well, I mean, to me, yeah. I mean, you always have to be learning always. I mean, it's, it's like, and I'm still, you know, it's like, I'm, I'm talking about positive masculinity right now. Um, but that doesn't mean that it's not still, you know, it's not like a, a settled issue for me, you know, and, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a Gen Xer, right. So the world has changed quite a bit since I, was in my formative years uh and it would be easy for me to sit back and go that's not that's not what that word means or that's not what uh you know that's not how it was when i came up or why do you need you know to have that you know whatever whether whether we're talking about um uh somebody's pronouns or we're talking about whether or not uh, you're properly using the word literally things change, you know, and, and if you're going to be proud of yourself for not evolving, then, <laughs> then you're a problem, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You, things are different. Of course they are. Yeah. That's how the world works. Exactly. And I, you know, when I got older, when I started saying things like, Listen to that music that the kids are listening to today. That's when I knew that I was a little bit, uh, um, as you get older, you get a little judgmental mm -hmm. and you get a little old in the tooth and long in the tooth and you're, and it's, it, you, you don't like people as much as you used to and stuff. And, and yeah. it can be a whole different thing, but I really think I wanted to touch on, uh, the, the what did you call it? Positive, positive, uh, masculinity. Yeah. I think that's a book for you. Hmm. Yeah, that would be to talk about um, the positive um, masculinity and the negative masculinity um, and how if you if because I see a lot of guys that are not very positive in regards to their life situation, what's happening around them, other people, other things, yeah. uh, rather than accepting those things and being positive and being motivational right. they're more negative and judgmental and it because you're right that's easier yeah well yeah and and, and also the um sort of the rules for uh that that toxic masculinity are also so forgiving like not, not in terms of of uh the ultimate outcome, but in terms of like what your responsibility is in the world, you know, it's like, you can basically be a child for your whole adult life. If you follow all these rules, I was having a conversation with a guy who, um, I don't know, such a weird thing to come up, but we must've, I don't know what we were talking about, but he was talking about how, um, it's a woman's work to clean the bathroom. <laughs> and I was like, what? 
And he was like, he was like, yeah, I would never clean a bathroom. And I was like, I was like, and he was like, have you ever cleaned a bathroom? And I was like, of course, of course I've cleaned a bathroom. Like, first of all, I haven't always lived with a woman in my life. I mean, just on a purely practical level, I know how to clean a bathroom. Uh, but also you think that you're making a statement that sounds like you're so masculine that you would never clean a bathroom. But to me, what I hear is your masculinity is so fragile that you can't pick up a sponge. I mean, that's, that's not strong. That's the opposite, you know? So I don't get it. It's like, it's, it's such a, it's not even like, I get like, like you can have a debate or maybe I could have a debate with, with somebody who's like conservative versus me being pretty progressive. Right. And I, and I could, oh, okay, there, maybe there's nuance or something like that, but with this, with this negative or um, this toxic masculinity, so much of it is so antithetical to strength. And I don't see how people don't, don't immediately see that. I don't either. I don't, I don't either, but I, I, I do. So I got to ask you, what did he say when you, uh, pointed out that that was probably not the, the, especially if you said that in front of your wife, that may be a death sentence. <laughs> there were no women in this conversation. Oh, well, that's um, good. Yeah, probably. I mean, probably he did not have the gonads to say that in front of a woman, but, uh, <laughs> but, um, but no, that's the end of a conversation because nobody is going to go like, Hmm, you might be right. That's something to think about. Like that never, that is, that never happens. So, uh, so that was, you know, this dude and I were not buddies that were going to like have an ongoing, he was like a friend of a friend. And so that was, that was the end of this interaction. That is, that is, you know, it's so sad that, that somebody actually takes it. You know, the, the funny thing is though, he probably goes home and cleans the bathroom because his wife makes him, but he's not going <laughs> to tell you right. that. You know, because yeah. he's really cool and 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 you know, honestly, um, and by the way, we're talking with Justin Justin DePrego. He's an author. He has written the wrong side of a working man, and he's and hold that up. <coughs> and um I really think that that you really need to write that book because there's lots of guys out there that are not living up to their best selves either yeah. with their families or with themselves or, and they're not, they're not achieving what they could because I see so many people that are so many guys that still, even their male to male relationships, they're busy with, um, um, circling around each other and, and checking each other out and making, you know, rather and yeah. being, being real competitive with one another and all of that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I mean, there's a reason that it's called toxic because it's not just like, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's not like, I don't know. They don't call it stupid masculinity. They don't call it um, the, uh, you know, I, any other, any other adjective I could come up with. It's called toxic because it's, it hurts you. It, it hurts. Toxic. It hurts. It, I mean, it hurts people around you. Obviously, if you follow the rules of toxic masculinity, you're going to be hurting the uh, the women in your life and you're going to be hurting the men in your life is who you deem to be lower than alpha, 
Right. But you're also ultimately, you're hurting yourself. I mean, there's a reason that men die of heart attacks at higher rates than women. You know, I mean, it's like, because we don't see doctors. We don't, we don't admit when we're sick. We, you know, it's like, we don't, it's, you know, and I mean, like I said, I'm still evolving myself. I could probably use a doctor visit, just a, you know, regular checkup or whatever. And I'm ah, fine, you know, whatever, you know, but, but I mean, honestly, come on, get over yourself. Exactly. Well, there will be a day when, you know, that, that last day when all of a sudden you're getting chest pains and, 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 and stuff and you're going, um, I should have probably changed this a while ago. Yeah. Uh, and hopefully you survive it so that you still have an opportunity to make a change. Right. A lot of times we don't and, uh, and stuff. So it's, you know, I, I like the idea of positive masculinity and I think that that's what we should be preaching to other people. Yes. Ab yeah, absolutely. And, and the thing is, is like, you know, I'm in a situation for like with me personally, and then Alex in the book is this way as well, where, um, people make assumptions about me because of the, the world that I, the worlds that I inhabit boxing gym, horse ranch, construction site. Um, and so the, the, the assumption then is that I am going to try to be an alpha male, that I am going to be that kind of, um, in your face kind of, guy um and i think i have a certain amount of privilege because i am a physically strong i look physically strong um guy where it's easier for me to say what i'm saying now about masculinity if i was not if i was if i was um someone who was you know, more, um, I don't know who, who never goes to the gym, who doesn't, who doesn't have that kind of, uh, that kind of, kind of lifestyle that, that person is still a man. And in everything that I'm saying about positive masculinity still applies to him. And I, unfortunately, I think it would be harder for him to put that out there in the world because somebody who is capable of beating him up would just beat them up or maybe just figuratively, you know, right. Uh, right. but, but nobody can do that to me. Not, maybe not nobody, but uh, like, for instance, there's always some starting with um, there, but, but the thing, but if I'm going to say to you in a conversation, wow, it sounds like your masculinity is actually pretty weak. That person is not going to throw hands at me. It's just not, you know, because, you know, it's it's clear that I'm someone that you can't do that with. And that's unfortunate because that's me uh, benefiting from toxic masculinity, right? In a way. In, in, a, in a kind of a weird way, yeah. Yeah. Be, because, but but on the other hand, you because of you are able to be confident in your masculinity see the in in there are lots of guys that are not real confident in who they are as men so yeah. they have to beat up on women 
or they have to do or they do things to try and pump up their confidence level and but it still doesn't help because the confidence is something that you that you live with and, and if you're confident in who you are then you don't need to worry about anybody else and right. how how you're perceived by other people because at the end of the day none of that matters right it's it's who you who you are is your self perception of who you are and how you want to change for you to be a better person right um, or sometimes it's to be a worse person i don't you know it's some yeah. people anyway this has been a really deep dark discussion we've been having right right let's uh okay also in the book there are some fun things that happen with with adventures and uh <laughs> yeah adventures and good things and and yeah yeah exactly so, there's birds and there's magic and there's oh, oh it's illustrated did we talk uh, about that check this out wait let me let me show you uh page uh basically one of the book uh, who, who illustrated it for you i illustrated it that oh, very nice is a sort of tolkien-esque fantasy style map of los angeles oh that's cool that that shows you sort of all the uh the 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 locations across the city that his adventure takes him to that that's it that's really cool yeah so that's yeah there's there's 30 there's 30 illustrations throughout the book and uh, again, the name of the book is Wrong Side of a Working Man. And the author is Justin Tepego. Tepego, yes. Tepego. I, I keep wanting to put an R in there to make it Tepego. You know, you're not, you're not the first. Uh, ever mm -hmm. since that spaghetti sauce came on the market, it's been oh. something that I've had to deal with for you know, many, many decades. Yeah, I imagine. Well, you, you need to make your own spaghetti sauce. Oh, I do frequently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, very nice. Very yeah. nice. So, so anything else that you would like to talk about and like to add to, to our discussion today, sir? Um, well, let's see. Uh, we've talked a lot about boxing, so I guess I'll throw yeah. in there. Well, that, how, about, um, how about your website? Do you have a website that people yes. can reference? Oh, you can find, you can find me and all information about this book and my other novel. And I'm a filmmaker. And so there's, there's uh movie stuff there too, uh, at, uh, depegonow.com. And are you in the process of doing any productions right now for any film productions? Uh, I have I have two projects that are in early stages, not not super early stages they are, that are in, in development and they're kind of competing which one is going to go first. Um, one is a sequel to my uh, 1915 house horror movie that I made kind of by accident, uh, which, uh, yeah. Um, and then the other is a, um, uh, like a murder mystery thriller. And, uh, and so those, those are each one kind of depending on where things are at one leapfrogs ahead of the other, one of them I've already, you know, has a full cast and we're just waiting to, you know, make all the, everything fall into place. Oh, cool. Well, yeah. if you ever need somebody who looks suspiciously like, <clears throat> excuse me, Wilford Brimley, I, I'll I'll be happy to. I know where to look if I need a Wilford Brimley guy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, it, you know, and because I'm, never mind. Uh, but that's that's really cool. How'd you get into into uh, um, being a producer and 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 creating films? Well, I've been. I grew up. My my father is a screenwriter. That would help. Yeah. So I grew up around the business, and my first 
once once I, I we're talking like grade school here where I I started writing things in screenplay for, format. Oh sure. Um, so my most a lot of my early writing was either sort of high fantasy Tolkien esque or actually more Conan esque uh, kind of uh, kind of stuff. Um, you know, I'm talking like when I was a kid. It was either that or it was screenplays about like superheroes. Right. And then as I got older, it was really the screenwriting that took over as my as my thrust and my career. And now, you know, we're going back to me getting out of college. So I've been a screenwriter for 30 years or so. Um, and uh, but then uh, I I was always a writer for hire. Right. So I'm always pitching something original or I'm getting hired to take on somebody else's project which is fine, but that means that I'm always sort of beholden to somebody hiring me. Right. Um, as a sideline to all of this, I'm also, you know, I was working in construction and stuff like that. And a few years ago, um, I bought this house that at the time was a hundred years old. Um, so this was 2015. The house was built in 1915 and it needed a lot of work. And so I started a YouTube channel and, and was, making videos that were basically me fixing up this house. Oh, cool. And then, so I ended up with hours, literally hours and hours of footage of me fixing up this house. And, you know, people were watching these videos and, but after a while I was like, okay, what am I going to do with all these hours of footage? And I was like, what if, what if I take all of these videos that already exist, they're already on YouTube and I go back to the raw footage and I re-edit it and create special effects so that instead of it being the real life of me fixing up this house, it becomes about this character who is Justin DePago and he's fixing up this hundred year old house, but the house is haunted. And so in like in my real video that I did where I'm like, okay, I bought this house and here's the things that need to get fixed up. And and so if you watch sort of the real video of that, it's all pretty straightforward. But if you watch the 1915 house version, there's like little little hints and flits of of energy and stuff happening behind me that I don't notice. And then as as the videos progress and I get deeper and deeper into fixing up the house, that becomes crazier and crazier. And I'm so in order to do this, I was creating all kinds of visual effects and audio effects and and finally, I got to the point where I couldn't just use my raw footage anymore. I had to create new footage, and I turned my entire backyard into a green screen and and built a set that looked like the inside of my attic. And so I ended up having this, you know, this huge battle with the ghosts that are in my house. And I finished the movie, and I was like, well, okay, again, it was all on a whim. And so here was another whim. I was like, well, I, you know what? I'm just going to submit it to a competition a film festival for for short films and uh and they sent it back it got rejected and i was like oh that that's too bad but then i read the rejection letter or email and uh and it was like it's too long to be considered a short you need to resubmit it as a feature oh and i was like wait wait a minute are you telling me that for zero money by myself 
with no screenplay or anything. I made a feature film. <laughs> I made a feature film. And so I was like, okay, fine. So I resubmitted it. It got into the, into the festival. I won some awards there. I, by this time it was, I think 2017. So I was like on the festival circuit for that year. One, uh, won some awards and stuff like that. And I was like, you know what, if I can do this by accident, I can do this on purpose. So sure. I don't have to just be a writer for hire anymore. I'm going to be my own producer. And that's was the genesis of Depago Now, Depago Now Entertainment. Um, that uh, sort of decision making all came to a head where everything was going to work out. In uh, late 2019, early 2020, and if you know your history, you'll know that the entire world shut down right after I was like, okay, I'm launching my own production company. <laughs> so you know, I um, heard about that somewhere. I yes. can't remember where. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so that put everything kind of, well, actually that put everything sort of back burner for a little while, which gave me time to work on working man. Um, and so I was able to, uh, to revitalize this older project. Um, and, uh, and, and do all the illustrations and whatnot. And so now Working Man is out there and I, I can get back into production because things obviously are not 100% anymore uh, if they ever will be, but it's a different 100%, I guess. So um, yeah, so moving forward with that and, well, uh, and moving forward with the sequel to Working Man. So that sounds awesome that you are and and are you in construction anymore or are you doing this for for gainful employment no i'm doing this uh although i'm still like for instance here at this uh at this cabin i'm you know i am the um i am the on staff handyman <laughs> so <laughs> i uh like right before we got on here the, the this cabin was built in 1950 and everything is custom oh. uh and so the front door, I had to put a new uh, deadbolt, not just now, but like when, when we were, you know, uh, I, I, a new deadbolt and knob on the, on the front door. But I thought there was just like this really cool veneer on the door, but it turns out, no, it's like this door was custom made out of logs. So oh. nothing fits. <laughs> so, uh, so you can't just slap a new deadbolt on it. So I was like, the doorknob on this place has been has been getting at me for like two years or something but uh so yeah i i do that and and then there's like there's another house like out in the day so i guess yes i am still doing construction i all day yesterday i was i was uh taking siding off of a house because new siding needs to go up so well you, you know once you once you have that skill set it's like having a truck you know it's like you're <laughs> everybody wants your attention yeah. When you, when you got a truck, you right. know, it's, I'm glad that you're able to follow your passion and do what you choose to do, not what you have to do. It's good. It's a neat way to live. Yes. It's a, it's a real privilege. And so you should congratulate yourself. What's your secret? How did you do it? Uh, well, a lot of, uh, sort of questionable decisions along the way. I, I made a choice, for instance, when I was uh, back a, a young, uh, you know, out of college and I was doing day jobs and, and, and I'd worked a lot in production. I was a production assistant 
And I had um, many opportunities to move up the chain. You could like move up from being a production assistant to uh, an assistant director, you know, like, you know, like a, a second, second assistant and blah, 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 blah. Right. And, uh, and while my uh, other people, my age were doing that, I was very sort of precious about my time. And I didn't take the advancement opportunities in that world that I could have because I didn't want to take any time away from my writing um, in terms, even headspace time, you know, it's like, I didn't want any responsibilities that I had to take home with me. Right. So as a PA, I'm working 17, 18 hour days, six days a week for let's say five weeks on a, on a gig. And then I make enough money that I didn't have to get another gig for a little while. And I didn't have to think about anything. If I was an AD, I would have so much more to think about, or at least that was my thinking back then. And so I ended up, you know, very hungry <laughs> for, for, a long, for a long time. Uh, but, um, and, and then, you know, having lots and lots of, of very strange and different day jobs. I'm, you know, obviously I was a PA, construction, horses. I, I trained horses and taught lessons and worked on dude ranches and stuff like that. And all of this finally, you know, after years of doing that, got to a place where, the the balance was sort of tipping in favor of the writing so well when you get to uh walk down the, the uh red carpet uh -huh. and before right before you accept your oscar uh -huh. or something that you haven't written yet or something you haven't produced yet you'll have to come back on my show would you do that absolutely yes yeah i'm gonna write that down right now i'm gonna put you in my calendar <laughs> exactly yeah you know put me in your calendar because that you may you be careful what you ask for you may get it yeah you know so by the way we've been talking with justin depego depego no r in either one of those names uh no did i say i didn't say just no I, no 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 i was just kidding. yeah okay <laughs> and uh but i want to thank you for being here and uh and i wish you lots of success with the wrong side of a working man and your website one more time is uh the website is depegonow.com and the book is available right now on amazon you can get the hardcover you can get the ebook you can get the uh the paperback and uh and yeah, just, just search for it there. And pretty soon it'll be available wherever books are sold. As they say, it will soon happen. Yeah. I guarantee, I guarantee it. It's going to happen real soon. So Justin, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely. My pleasure indeed. So uh, hold on right there. I'll be right back. Okay. The following. No, now I'll be right. Back. Thanks for enjoying this episode all the way to the end. Please give us a like and subscribe to this channel. This has been a production of KMmedia.pro. Please visit our website, oddly enough, named KMmedia.pro for more details about us and our mission, which is to provide great, positive programming designed to inspire us all. I'm Kevin McDonald, and I'm proud of these shows, and I truly hope that you'll like them and share them with friends and family. So on behalf of our entire team, remember, be kind to each other because each other's all we've got. We'll see you next time.